Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. What's up, folks? Xavier Katsani here with The Human Experience, and we're diving back into the more esoteric side of things in this episode as we speak to Dr. Bonnie Greenwell. Dr. Bonnie Greenwell has been in this industry for over three decades. She has studied some of the physiological and psychological effects of what happens during a Kundalini awakening. So the credentials run deep on this one. She's written at least three books on this subject, which I highly recommend. Otherwise, folks, if you enjoy our content, get to thehumanxp.com slash donate. Help us cover server costs. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all at The Human XP. Thank you guys so much for listening. The Human Experience is in session. My guest today is Dr. Bonnie Greenwell. Bonnie, welcome to The Human Experience. Uh, thank you, Xavier. This is a nice opportunity. I appreciate it. So, Bonnie, let's let's get in. You've written a few books on Kundalini and the awakening process of Kundalini, but how did you get to the point of writing about this? And many years ago, I was a very serious meditator. And um, when I went to graduate school at the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, I began to do energy work. And during that time, I had an activation of kundalini energy. And I had to write a doctoral dissertation at that time. So I decided to explore what the kundalini experience was like and how to make it a positive experience because what I found is for me the awakening was extremely wonderful it was just a great experience and I kept running into people who said that they were having a lot of difficulties with it so the whole point of my research and later many years of my work has been to understand what's the difference and what can people do to make it a more graceful grace-filled I guess I could say mm -hmm. experience yeah that's that's really intriguing um, I've I've heard the same that it can be kind of a harrowing experience I mean how where do you see the spectrum of do you see most people having a difficult time during this sort of awakening process or is it more gentle for most people well I think because of my books and my research on my websites a lot of the people who call me are those who are having difficulties but there are probably many who do not have such difficulties uh, it depends a lot on the context in which the energy awakens and whether you have a support system of some sort where you understand what's happening to you at the time, which for me that was uh, really important. I, I was in a graduate school of transpersonally oriented people and I was going to programs at Esalen with Stan Groff mm, and others. Yeah. So I had a lot of people who understood what the process was. Right. Yeah, it's really intriguing. I find the whole thing really, really intriguing. Um, I mean, what 
uh, is something that would cause a, a kundalini awakening? I mean, is there a certain point in someone's life? Is I mean, maybe a traumatic experience or a realization through meditation? Is there commonality that you've noticed between people who have a kundalini awakening? Yes, there's many different ways that it activates, but primarily and classically it has wakened either because of a very sincere and intense meditation process, often for many years, um, or through a practice of yoga or qigong or something that's um, undergone in a very disciplined and and deep way with somebody who sincerely is seeking truth or seeking a relationship with God or seeking enlightenment. So those have been the classic ways you would see it. There's specific practices in um, kundalini yoga and in most yogic systems uh, for people once they're ready uh, breathing practices and other kinds of concentration practices designed to activate the energy. So that would be the primary classical way. But you also find many people have an awakening through a near-death experience or when they're in a period of great trauma, uh, whether they're um, going through some kind of grief or maybe some kind of a violent um, event. I had one woman who uh, it awakened after being mugged, but she had also a long period of uh, yoga practice before then. Uh, sometimes it awakens through an encounter with somebody else who has awakened energy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just happens spontaneously and there's no real logic you can find in it. But usually there's some kind of an initiating event that uh, that made it. It's just kundalini is only the life force. It's your own life force. And you could say that when it awakens, which is normally considered to happen at the base of the spine, although in some systems it happens by an activation in the center of the body or in the heart. Mm -hmm. But when it activates, you notice a difference. There's a before and after. There's usually a very specific event you can you can trace the initiation of kundalini to. And then there's many years of experiences that often follow it. Yeah, it's fascinating. So, I mean, kundalini is a thousand, two thousand years old kind of tradition. I mean, these yogis in India have been kind of talking about Kundalini, but now we're seeing this sort of uh, proliferate what's going on here in Western society. Why do you think that there's this crossover happening from East to West? Well, I think back in the 30s, 40s, and then again in the 60s, uh, there was a great influx of yogic teachers and uh, teachers from the Buddhist traditions coming to the West. So a lot of people in those days were, you could say the culture was kind of seeded with the kind of spiritual practices that would make this more likely to happen. And then in the 60s, it happened quite a bit with people who uh, were using LSD. There was a whole movement of people who were very intensely trying to shift their consciousness. And so that generation had a, a one influx, you could say, of the energy activating or consciousness shifts that may uh, precede an activation of energy. Um, so today, though, what's really been different since the computer age is people can find ways to dedicate themselves to a spiritual awakening 
all over the internet. Uh, they can find practices that are very energizing. They can find meditation practices. Meditation is almost mainstream now. And if a person's kind of ripe, not everybody who meditates is going to have this kind of awakening. It's probably a fairly small percentage. But if, if there's other ways in their life that their consciousness is prepared or ready for this to happen, uh, it's very possible for it to activate uh, through a, a meditation practice. And millions of people are doing that today. Also, millions are doing yoga. So there's, there's been a real shift in society and the openness to those kinds of experiences. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, you know, in the, in the early 90s, like 1991, 92, I had a Kundalini awakening. And uh, it was probably the most scary event that I've ever experienced. One of the most scary events I've ever experienced. And I think through the years that, that followed, it was even more harrowing because I had no idea what was going on. There was no sense of kind of getting online and even even getting online and, and typing it in um there, no one was talking about kundalini back then so i mean it's yeah things are have changed a lot things are a lot different what do you think this means for i mean people like you who kind of specialize in kundalini what what are your patients that come to you like what what is something that you would tell a person that comes to you and says hey dr bonnie I, I just my kundalini awakened you know i feel like this is happening to me what do you what do you say to that person well as i start to work with somebody i have them fill out a questionnaire that gives me a lot of background information because whatever you've brought into the process has a huge impact on what you're experiencing and what might be helpful in making it a more smooth experience so i do that i also ask their history a little bit because I want to know what triggered it, how did it begin for them, and that'll give me a little insight on uh, what's needed. For example, if they're already in a spiritual community of some sort, uh, they'll have a good context, they'll know what's happening. If they were in an accident and they never had ever heard of anything spiritual, they may need to get it set into a context in which they understand that there is an experience called spiritual awakening, and for thousands of years it's been written about, primarily in the East, and that kundalini is a natural part of that process. It's It's the part that allows your whole energy field to awaken and support your spiritual intention. And that uh, it's been written about in classical literature, but it's just not understood in Western medicine. So doctors and therapists have never really gotten a framework or a paradigm for interpreting it, um, but that it's very well known in the East. And that it's, it's all about their transformation and their body becoming available to higher states of consciousness and to the integration or the living from those uh, new perceptions. Hmm. Do you think that this is happening to more people now than, than before? It's very possible. Some people think that. I believe that Eckhart Tolle's talked about this being a, not so much kundalini being of consciousness being much more common today. But I think we also have to realize that there's a larger population and there's a lot more inner communication than there used to be. So it may have been possible that certain cultures or certain groups of people did have these kinds of significant awakenings, but it just wasn't widely 
widely known. Yeah, you know, it seems like when there is a Kundalini awakening, it's like the the charge in your body is is completely different, and you're you're just sensitive to more, and your your chakras are more open. You're just more sensitive to everything. I mean, would you agree with this? Yes. That's one of the biggest concerns people have, especially if they were a little bit sensitive types of people anyway, and it can become extremely uncomfortable because they can feel, they can just feel things in other people's energies. Uh, they, they're much more receptive. They can't handle going into big box stores and places where there's tension and toxic relationships. In fact, the energy, actually, the awakening requires us to really um, be honest with ourselves and to make changes in our life if some of the things we're doing are not compatible for us. That, in a way, the high sensitivity is sort of telling you um, you really need to either change or get out of this particular relationship or this job. It's not, you're not in tune with it. It's not right for you. Uh, and you have to learn to, to listen to your body and do what the energy seems to be wanting you to do if you want to be comfortable. The people, a lot of people who get into great difficulty are doing things in their life that are very, very stressful and that are just not in tune with their deeper, authentic desires and truths and they have to make changes or they're going to continue to feel bad to feel even sick sometimes do you believe in reincarnation bonnie i think it's there's a high likelihood of it um i've had uh, many past life regressions myself and done that with other people and uh, many times people in a kundalini process will have a spontaneous past life memory or a deja vu experience, and they they feel very real. It feels like it really was me, but it's also very possible that we're just connecting into the collective lives uh, and experiencing another another life or another you might say another dream of life. That's a belief system, you know. It's something you can't know positively. You just can know what it mm -hmm. feels like. It feels true, but you can't. Nobody can actually prove that it is true. So hypothetically, do you think that the Kundalini process could be a sort of cleansing so that you can kind of escape the incarnational cycle or? I think that it's an opening and a clearing. In a way, it makes you face much more of your incarnational cycle. It's not a way of leaping past it. Hmm. Everything that you need to see comes up. Uh, if you have unfinished psychological issues that you've never addressed, they're very likely to come up. Some of the shaking and jerking and letting the body release that is some of the energetic holding of tension uh, from your past, from your conditioning. But often you also get um, something will happen in your life that really throws your old conditioning in your face and you have much more freedom to choose to see through that and stop identifying with it. So it's a, um, you could say almost a spontaneous uh, psychological process. So what is something that you would say to someone maybe listening to this program that is experiencing a Kundalini awakening? Is it something that you would, you either know that's happening to you is it not something that you guess about? A lot of times people will have an experience 
that would be, you could say, prior to kundalini. In yoga, they call it pranatattva. We all have pranic energies in our bodies. And that's how uh, chagung works. You're learning to tune into that. That's what Reiki is doing. You're learning to use and let this energy flow through your body. If you're having some energy stirrings, let's say you're a meditator, Mm -hmm. and energy stirs at the base of the spine, or there's itching or vibration, or maybe sometimes little rushes of energy, then you're possibly in a process where kundalini may activate. If you're experiencing, uh, if you've experienced a very intense rush of energy and your body shaking uncontrollably, or it's that doesn't seem to be like a seizure, it's not like a seizure disorder, it's much more like a rolling energy. Uh, It can be very scary, but... It's actually a good sign that your subtle body is cooperating with your spiritual intention. Or if you didn't ever have a spiritual intention, it's an invitation to a type of transformation and grace that you may not have expected was available to you. What will happen is that this process just naturally unfolds itself if you don't hold yourself Uh, in resistance to it it's the anger fear and resistance that makes it more uncomfortable but you do have to give it its time sometimes you really need to if you're using drugs a lot of people today are having activations after using ayahuasca or various other kinds of substances substances that are uh, that create spiritual openings Mm -hmm. Uh, you may need to stop doing that if you're uncomfortable, if you're feeling rotten, if, if things are unpredictable, you're, you can't uh, ground yourself. You may need to look at the stressors in your life and what you need to change. Sometimes people have this awakening who have done a lot of work with hospice. They've been sitting with people who make these transitions, and they go into these very profound uh, states of awareness with them and that can be an activation so there's many different ways this might happen for you and you just have to get into right relationship with it seeing it as your own deeper self wanting your consciousness to wake up to itself that's what wakes up is consciousness consciousness awareness is trying to wake up out of you in such a way that it helps you to have a different perspective of life and of yourself and of the world and of your connection with everything in it. Uh, It's a very um, wonderful opportunity. Uh, And you may not wish it was happening to you right now. It might be inconvenient. You know, I usually tell people, it's just that your number is up. It's time. You're going to go through this. Uh, You can't just make it go away once it's moved to a certain level in your body where you're feeling it maybe through your throat or up into the head. But it has a process and it can be made more gentle, more smooth in a sense that you are welcoming it, using it to deepen your meditation or to discover meditation. Um, and start to take very good care of your body, uh, not using substances that are toxic, not hanging out with people that are toxic. If your work is making you very unhappy, you may need to really look at what can you do 
what does your body really want to do that would feel much more harmonious for you? You might also need to be out in nature more to find a space that you can sit in. If, if you're um, in a city, you might need to create a place in your yard or your home where you feel very peaceful. You need to ground, work with your hands, do things that make you feel stable and connected to the earth in some way. My books are very helpful guides too. The Kundalini Guide and the Awakening Guide, many people write me and say they've been a great help. And I also have websites with a lot of information, uh, kundaliniguide.com and awakeningguide.com. Yeah. So those are places to begin. Yeah, we can plug those. Um, you know, as as I get older, Bonnie, I'm, I'm more resolved towards living a peaceful and living less dangerous, you know, and Kundalini strikes me as a highly dangerous kind of thing if you if treated the wrong way. And I think it's possible for someone who's experiencing a Kundalini awakening to be misdiagnosed as schizophrenic or having some sort of mental health condition. Have you seen that before? There's a certain percentage of people that that has happened to. It's most likely to happen under several circumstances. Um, one is that you had this awakening because of a response to a substance you were using like LSD or ayahuasca, and you're having a lot of flashback visualization experiences, uh, visions and things like that. And somebody around you uh, doesn't understand what it is and they get alarmed and you get in the hospital for a while. It's also likely to happen um, if you go with if you get manic and you don't sleep or you and you go for a couple almost everybody if they go for two nights without sleeping will start looking psychotic. The brain needs rest regularly. But sometimes the energy is so high you're just kind of out of control for a while and you need somebody that can kind of take care of you for a couple of days. And if you don't have that and you end up wandering the streets, you can end up uh, in a hospital for a while. Most medical professionals do not understand kundalini and if you're having visions or you're hearing voices, they're likely to interpret it as a psychotic experience. Yeah. But, I, but I found that most of the people in this process who say hear a voice, it's usually very soothing and very occasional. So it might be you're very upset, you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear a voice say, peace be with you, or we're taking it easy on you, or uh, it's all going to be okay. If you're hearing voices that are very chaotic, that are telling you to do negative things, that uh, the television is talking to you, you're more likely to be in a psychotic process. It may be that if it was triggered by drugs or related to kundalini, it'll pass quickly. Mm -hmm. But uh, usually with kundalini, a vision, a vision might be very occasional and also very powerful just a transformative experience of seeing what's possible. And I have to say, most people don't have visions and voices, but maybe 20% might once in a while. So it's really a misunderstanding that gets them labeled 
The other type of person that can get really into a lot of trouble is the overachiever, the one who is doing a tremendous number of practices. They're very intensely perhaps doing shamanic work, which actually trains you to travel to other dimensions and can be very chaotic if you're not um, really geared up to do that kind of thing. And they may be doing uh, breathing practices four or five hours a day. They're, they're pushing themselves and they're pushing their consciousness and their mind and their nervous system and they can have uh, a collapse within that um, process. So it's much better to try, if, if you're a spiritual seeker and you're longing for enlightenment, is to try to have a more balanced and harmonious approach to it so that you maybe take good care of your body. You do a, a gentle meditation practice regularly, maybe a little bit of yoga, but you're tuning in all the time to bringing yourself back to earth, calming yourself down. But I don't think of it as dangerous. I think of it as transformative. And if it's happened to you, inevitable. And fear is one of the most difficult aspects of it. Fear makes it much, much worse. The mother who was a yogi uh, that was a partner of Aurobindo's uh, said once that uh, the heartfelt release of fear is the most important step on the spiritual path. Very interesting. Um, how long do you notice that these symptoms last after a person has a kundalini experience or an awakening? If the energy has fully awakened, it, it never fully goes away. It gets much more... Um, so it's for the rest of your life you have it? Well, yes and no. I'll just talk about my own experience, which began more than 30 years ago. Sure. It's more intense the first year or two. There's a lot more uh, where your body wants to release energy. I always recommend people lay down on their bed and just let the energy go for a little while. It usually lasts about 10 minutes and then it stops and then you feel relaxed. If you're trying to contract and hold it back, it can become much more uncomfortable. So that stage of having a lot of energy releases uh, usually gets a little bit easier after a couple of years. And especially if you're not adding a lot of stressors, other stressors in your life, if you have a pretty balanced life, then for me, what happened, and I, when my energy awoke, I was in graduate school, I wrote a dissertation, I had three teenage kids, and I was working part time as a therapist. So, you know, I, there was a lot of other things going on in my life. So you can do that, but you just have to be doing things that feel compatible and right for you. Then what happened over the years, it got more like a little interior vibration that felt good. I've had a lot of bliss with this experience. Mm -hmm. And when you tune into it, when you get used to it, you just tune into it and relax. It can be extremely blissful. Then some years later, seven or eight years maybe, uh, I met Ajashanti, who is a non-dual teacher, and when I began sitting with him, the, the whole energy process went to a different level, where I had a very deep awakening of consciousness or self, whatever we would like to call that, and uh, at that time, the energy settled down almost completely, so, so it changed how I looked at life and myself and everything else. And during that um, change, the energy just kind of um, faded away. But if I do 
massage or I have body work or if I just want to invite it, I can lay down and it, and it will start moving again. Mm-hmm. But it's almost always blissful. Yeah. But I'm in my 70s now, so I don't know to what extent those just getting older too uh, might mellow out the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've had a very stable life, you know. I so somebody who has had a lot of trauma things going on, they've had to clear out old abuse issues, and then maybe they've gone through a divorce, or, or their child has died, or they've they've lost their home, and they've you know they've done a lot of struggling. They might have a lot more releasing going on because it is trying to release any kind of stressor, any kind of attachment or belief um, that. Uh, keeps you from feeling completely free and open. Hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, there's a guest of the show, Robert Bruce, and he talks a lot about out-of-body experiences. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but he uh, he also does some work on Kundalini, and one of, one of the things he said was that without a guru-type person in your life, that Kundalini is an extremely dangerous thing to try to awaken. Do you agree with that statement? I don't encourage people to try to awaken kundalini uh, on their own. It depends on the quality of the guru, whether he's useful or not. I've had many people from uh, different spiritual systems contact me who had awakenings in that system, and their teacher didn't provide any help at all, but was actually kind of critical, like they shouldn't be having all that energy, or, well, they're not developed enough to have activated kundalini or kundalini is always positive and you're having psychological issues so you have a problem so you don't always get what you need in a in a typical yogic or buddhist or certainly a a christian system i've had nuns call me who felt like was this the devil making them have all this energy because it feels so sexual at times so you know it's not a absolute it would be nice if there were some really good gurus out there who could really support a person appropriately through the whole system but there aren't very many I always tell people who call me and say, well, I want to learn how to open it. I say the best thing to do is develop a very basic and sincere meditation practice. Start with that. Don't start with trying to raise energy. Um, And because your attitude and your devotion and your sense of uh, wanting with all your heart to be connected to the greater aspect of life, the the knowing of God, somebody might say, or the knowing of your source, or the knowing of unitive of oneness, uh, that is going to be the biggest support you'll have in the process. And if you can start with that, start with waking up at some level, then uh, when the kundalini happens, it's not something that you resist and you get into a lot of trouble with. Yeah, I think you you mentioned, you touched on my next question, which is in regards to the sexual nature of of the process. And why is it because it's opening in that, in the seat of your spine and it's touching that chakra? Is it that why at the root chakra? Is it and the sacral chakra, is that why it's so such a sexual experience? Kundalini is life force, and it's housed just below the sexual organs. And it's actually responsible for procreation. So 
that's where its home is, you could say. And when it moves and starts moving in that area of the body, if it gets stuck there, you can have a great intense uh, sexual drive, maybe even if you never did before. And it can feel like you're going crazy, like it's just way too much. Because it's like it went from 110 to 220. And if it's stuck in those lower two chakras, it's really difficult and it's not moving through the optimal channels. So that would be one of the so-called dangers of Kundalini is getting one. Of, so a few people um, have this problem when they're learning uh, tantric sex. Hmm. Uh, they, they get it opened and most people who teach tantra sex sexually they're doing it to so-called improve your sex life, but they don't understand the spiritual and the clearing process aspect of it. So sometimes a person will uh, get the kundalini moving higher through the body, through the tantric sex, and all of a sudden the whole thing opens up, and they're having all kinds of phenomena that they never expected, like involuntary jerking and uh, visions and uh, heat and other other things that are related to this opening that can happen. Because the energy's been housed in that area, that's why it's so um, much more vulnerable to um, intensifying your sexual drive. Other times, though, it'll move, after it moves up into the second, third, fourth chakras, the sex drive goes away completely. And that can be just as alarming for some people. It, it's um, It's sort of like... Sometimes their appetite will go away for a while. So it can cause all kinds of different reactivity in the body. And there's no predicting of what it will do for you. I mean, it, it's not the same from one person to the next. Hmm. Do you feel like people can have partial awakenings? Is there is there a degree of kind of this experience? Most awakenings are partial. They're, most people will have an awakening initially that perhaps opens up the and goes up into the belly mm -hmm. or goes up and once it goes up into the heart it's considered a little more stable so once it moves into the heart you might experience expansive unconditional love at times um, you might experience a need to really face some of your own barriers and blocks you might have discomfort in the heart um, then it can move into the throat. Most people uh, seem to have blockages in the throat. I think it's particularly women because they're taught not to express everything they think. Mm -hmm. All of us are taught that. In school, we're taught to be quiet. Um, and there's a lot of blockages or contractions in the neck area. So a lot of times the energy ends up staying in that area for a long time uh, until you've either learn some practices for moving it or you deal with whatever the uh, trauma is that's related to the withholding you learn to express yourself hmm, yeah wow it makes a lot of sense bonnie um i really appreciate your time why don't you give us those those websites again what are your books called please the websites are kundaliniguide.com and awakeningguide.com. The books are the same, uh, The Kundalini Guide, The Awakening Guide. They're on Amazon. And I'm just signing a contract for a new book. It won't be out, though, until 2018 uh, with New Harbinger. That should be an overview of everything that um, I've learned over the last 30 years. Awesome. That's really amazing. Uh, we will definitely put that link up on the website so that people can access it. Bonnie, thank you so much for your time. A very informative conversation. Thanks so much. 
It's great to be here, and thanks for inviting me. This is The Human Experience. We will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening.